Good morning. My name's Adam. It's nice to be standing here and it's nice to be looking at you sitting there. And equally for those that are joining us online, we're glad that you're here. Last month was the third anniversary of us being here. It's gone quick. We're still here. Uh, it's been a unique period of time, should we say? But I do want to begin by thanking God and thanking some people. Uh, I don't think any of us expected what was ahead. We never do. We, we have some expectations of the year ahead. You have that classic January 1st, this year I want to do this. But when we embarked on this big shift and this big move, we had some ideas and hopes and dreams, many of which we still do. Uh, and we've had the joy of, of getting to know people and seeing God do things. Uh, we also had some unexpected moments in the first year and then a pandemic in the second and third year. So it's been remarkable. It's been unique. It's been quirky. At times it's been, you know, the amount of times I've said, huh, has just increased a lot the last two years especially. But I'm so pleased that we've had the opportunity to kind of do this together. And I want to thank some people. And they don't know I'm going to do this. So that makes it even more fun. Uh, the consistency that Jeff White brought and the way he served in the interim period uh, was a gift and continues to be a gift. And I want to acknowledge that today. Um, I'll... I'll mention this because this one's a really big one. In 2019, we had to make quite a few structural changes in terms of organizational changes uh, for the health and sustainability and future of the church. And a massive piece of work was around a piece of land that some of you are familiar with. And Sharon worked tirelessly on this task, which at times probably felt like this huge monster to wrestle, and uh, she led well, served well, and the implications of that were so considerable in that if we had continued as we were, in the way that we were financially structured uh, and at times bound and tied, we may well not still be here with the pandemic and the implications of that coming. So Sharon, thank you. Uh, I could go on and on and on, but I want to make one more comment of one more team. There is a group of people that no one sees that meet in rooms on a very regular basis and pray for this church. Uh, they pray, they prophesy, they encourage. They've done this for years. They're still doing it. And we, we feel the benefit. We feel the goodness of that. We have... We have God has been good to us, and I want to acknowledge the prayers behind the scenes that make so much difference. So, thank you to those who regularly pray and carry us in that way. I think I will go on just a couple more. I love how this worship team worships first and then plays their instrument second. Sometimes... It can be the other way around. I love that. That's inspiring. 
I love the generosity of which you did receive us. They're not here. Um, but Jeff and Katie Gilson were, you know, fantastic local friends for us in Easton and helping us with the apartment and then the house move and many others. I could go on and on and on. I just want to say thank you. I want to take the opportunity uh, that I have today. So thank you. We're glad to be here. Even on the back of the last two years, we're glad to be with you this morning. So thank you. With that in mind, this evening I'm leaving. I'm on the overnight plane to London. Uh, I leave at 9 o'clock this evening. I'm taking Eden and Esther with me. I have the joy of taxis and seeing family. Sarah is staying behind with the puppy. So please remember Sarah and the puppy over the next eight or nine days. We will be back. It feels like we kind of have two homes now, which actually is a really special sentence and feeling. At times, it's possible to feel homeless, but at other times, it's possible to feel that we have two homes, and that's a wonderful element. So that's where I'm going with Eden and Esther. I'm going to have one of them on each side. I've got these really good headphones that are completely soundproof, but obviously, I won't use them tonight when I'm flying with the girls. Anyway... The passage I want to look at today is part of this series. We're talking about what does it mean to be on target. We're in this short book called Colossians. It's towards the the back end of the Bible. It's written by the Apostle Paul, and he's writing it to encourage us. And we all need to be encouraged. So it starts well. It's a short passage. I don't have a lot to say this morning, but I have a feeling that what I have to say is important. And I also have a feeling that I don't have a lot of words, but God does have words. So may I encourage you to listen, yes, to what I'm saying, but even more so to what God is saying to you. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to turn to Colossians 2, verse 2 to 4. And given that it takes no time at all for people to turn, because most of us are looking at the screen, uh, can I try and bring this back? Bring your Bibles to church. Sometimes... If you're anything like me and your attention span constrained in different directions, sometimes having something that I'm holding and looking at helps. So may I plant that seed of encouragement. Bring your Bibles back. Let's bring the Bible back. See what happens. Colossians, someone's clapping. Colossians 2, verse 2 to 4. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. When I learned that I had this passage this week, I was really pleased, because it feels fitting uh, in my role to say, actually, this is my goal. This is my goal. In the same way that this was the Apostle Paul's goal for the church he was writing to, this is a goal and a hope and a dream that I have for you. My goal is that you will be encouraged in heart and united in love so that you may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that you may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. I tell you this, and no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. So I'm going to look at this. 
along the lines, and there's a PowerPoint just so you can see where we're going, uh, quite simply, I want to look at what does it mean to be encouraged in heart, unified, united in love, and in love, not just believing, but in love with the mystery of God, which is Jesus. That's where we're going to go. I'm going to start by introducing someone, encouraged in heart. I'm going to invite Melissa, who's going to come and share something that I believe will encourage your heart. Good morning. Okay. I wrote a few things down so I don't forget anything. Um, for those that don't know, which we'll get to this later, but I'm the treasurer, so I'm on the board. And um, as a board, we have been praying specifically for like the next steps for a home for our church. And we've taken the time aside on Mondays as a board, as a group, to do that in our daily lives. So that's the background for this word that I got from God. Um, <clears throat> so on that particular Monday, it was about two weeks ago, um, I just kept feeling called to Exodus 13, which I'm just going to read a passage real quick. Um, <clears throat> and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they may travel by day and by night. Um, and I just kept waking up all night thinking about how God goes before us wherever we're going as a church, as individual people, God goes before us. And along the way, sometimes the path might not make sense to us, but if we stay focused on him as the pillar of light, we can't go astray. And that was just such a strong feeling for me. Did that go up? Sorry. Um, that it, I'm, I literally woke up five or six times and the next morning was blowing up everyone on the board's phone. <laughs> I'm like, am I supposed to be doing this? Um, and I guess that's what landed me here. So... Um, and let's see, the, um, then this morning, I, I, as you guys know, I've talked before, I get really nervous coming up here. This isn't my comfort place by any means. Um, my devotion was about God's plan for you. And I don't, you know, some people look at those things and say, it's just a coincidence. I don't, I don't think that's a coincidence. I think that's God wanting to reiterate those words and make me even stronger in those feelings. Um, so the, the verse was Psalm 1611, and it says, you show me the path of life, in your presence is fullness of joy, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And I just think it's a reminder that as we follow God and he goes before us always, if we keep our sights on him, his plan is way better than what we could have even planned for ourselves. So if we start going off on our own, like, this is what I think I should do, that doesn't give us the fullness that we could have if we just follow Jesus. I love the line, the God who goes before us. Sometimes we think it's all us. It's all on us. But the God that goes before us. The God that wasn't surprised by the things that we were surprised by. The God that planned better plans than what we could have come up with. The God who goes before us. I love that. Thank you, Melissa. So encouraged in heart. I made the comment, if we hadn't have made the adjustments that we needed to make in 2019, 
this church may not have survived. Sharon played a, a huge role, but the board also played a large role in some of the other logistical decisions that we made. We made a lot in a very intense period of time. Somebody towards the end of 2019 said to me, Adam, you don't need to do it all in the first year. And of course, that kind of advice sounds wise, but there was something in us that wanted to leave some of these decisions and changes in this year. And then we got into 2022 and 2020, and then eight weeks later, uh, the pandemic began. We went in solid. We went in strong. We went in debt-free. That was for me, this encouragement of heart that this is the God who goes before us. So I believe in that and I'm grateful for the providence of God and the faithfulness of men and women who helped in that time. Encouraged in heart, this God goes before us. United in love, one church, many members. I've said this a few times. We are not in competition with the church down the road or the church over there or the church over there. This is not like a franchise model where there's Burger King, McDonald's, KFC, all largely trying to sell fast food to someone. When Jesus looks down from heaven, he sees one church. It's his bride. It's his body. It's his people. The church was never an organization. It was always a people movement. The tragedy of the church is that so frequently over history, we have been divided and critical against ourselves. The last couple of years has been an incredible time of testing and strain. And nationally, churches have been decimated over the subject and the challenge of unity. Some of the hot topics of the last two years have absolutely been used. And I don't often talk about evil in a sense that the devil is hiding behind every lamppost and about to jump out on you. But evil has decimated the church and caused such division, and that's painful because it's not God's heart. It's not Jesus' heart. John 17, verse 15. I'm putting this on the board, on the, on the screen, because I want to show you this, because this is not just my words. Jesus said this, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Keep it rolling, Sean. And verse seven, uh, 15 and 21. We'll get there. We won't get there. John 15. John 17. I'll go there. John 17, 21. This is the final words recorded from Jesus' life on earth. John, who's writing an eyewitness account, said this. And this is important. The PowerPoint may not be slick, but this is important. John 17, verse 21. In fact, I'm going to read from verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message. That's the future version of the disciples. That's us in this time, in this exact moment. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you and me and I am in you, that we are one. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. It is the heart's cry and final words prayer of Jesus that the church would be one. And our oneness would be a model and an example to those that are not part of this church. 
And while they are divided, they see that the church is a sanctuary where we are not divided. This is not just a nice idea. This is the prayer of Jesus. So Paul's timely encouragement that we'd be encouraged in heart and then united in love. Super important. And then this mystery. And I love the use of the word mystery. The main goal, that we may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. I will read the exact passage. We're back in Colossians. So that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. The joy of knowing the mystery of God. A few weeks ago, I was, uh, I was out. I was playing pool in a competition. I'm not very good to go into these competitions, but sometimes I like the challenge. And I met someone who I knew who was unhappy in his work. And I said, what are you, do- what are you doing? Have you-, have you got a new job? He said, yeah, I-, I hated that job, so I've got another one. I said, great, how's it going? He says, I hate it. I thought, wow, that's some swap. He said, I just, just, just hate it. It just gives me some money, that's why I do it. I said, well, what would you like to do? He said, I don't know. I said, what did you study for? He said, I studied for this, but didn't really point me in any direction. I said, well, well what makes you happy? He said, I don't know. And then I thought, oh no, ask a different question. I said, what do you believe in? What do you believe in? And he looked at me like, I've never seen it like this. He starts telling me what he believes in. Because what you believe in often will change the trajectory of where you go. The reason our document about what we believe as a church is called We Believe and We Act is because it's one thing to believe something. It's another thing for it to move you in a different direction of travel. Therefore, we believe and we act. What do we believe in? These mysteries. There are so many mysteries. These are some mysteries that I've observed here in the last few years. The mystery of Massachusetts drivers. (laughs) That they are really nice. And I could talk to you and you're nice and friendly. And then you get in your car and something changes. (laughs) And you are ferocious. You're mean, you're aggressive. You're instantly very, very angry. And then you arrive at your destination, get out of the car, and it's all good, and it's birds are singing and sun shining. The m- mystery, what is going on in your car? <laughs> Other mysteries. I took the girls to pick up uh, some cake on the way here, and they've got the Easter sweets, the candy out. The smallest bags are called fun size or king size. What is fun about getting less sweets than normal? <laughs> Or what kind of a king wants the smallest amount? What, what's that all about? Uh, other strange mystery. Why is it with the remote control when the batteries are dead? I changed the batteries on this remote, uh, on, the, on the microphone with Dale a few minutes ago. But why is it with the remote control when the batteries are dead? You just press hard on the button. It's just another one of these strange mysteries. Or this is the last one. And, and during the early stages of the pandemic, we did this a lot. You go to the fridge, you open it, and there's not much there. And then two minutes later, you go back to the fridge and check again. (laughs) As if in those two minutes, more food is... Why? Mysteries. There's a much bigger mystery, and it is the joy of seeking and knowing Jesus. And it's a mystery that some people think that makes no sense. And Jesus 
invites people to himself. But there's these continuations of revelation. Revelation means learning and seeing something in such a way that you can't unsee what you've seen. It's like finding something, like a treasure. Jesus even talked about it's like there's a treasure in a field and somebody found the treasure. So they pursued it. It moved them to action. They bought the field because they knew of the mystery of the treasure that was in the field. And knowing Jesus is the mystery. And Paul writes, I want you to know the full riches of this mystery. It's accessible for all, but yet we don't get it and then we've done it. So finding Jesus or following Jesus isn't the beginning of Christianity. It's all of Christianity. It's not the first step and then you mature onto more serious Christian stuff. Knowing the mystery of Jesus is the whole picture And Paul is writing that he wants us to know the full riches, not just settle for some. Oh, yeah, I know it all. No, you don't. None of us do. We're all learning. We're all following. We're all working it out. It's a mystery. And the mystery is not meant to cause offense. It's meant to move us to look further, to look again, to come and see. This week, I was swimming uh, I swim quite frequently. I've got the same routine. I swim half a mile and then I sit in the hot tub for about 20 minutes. This is at the YMCA in Easton. And I walked in there and lots of people I knew. And that's always nice, quite a nice small community. I didn't have much time. Eden was staying after school later to do some homework and I knew I needed to pick her up on the way home. Uh, often I pray when I exercise. I'm swimming and praying obviously not out loud otherwise I'd be swallowing lots of water and then I sit in the hot tub and there's somebody there who works on the front desk and her partner and I'm sat there quietly I didn't provoke the conversation but the conversation very quickly led in the direction of faith and what do you believe and the person in the hot tub said to me Adam what's CCD all about I said I don't know tell me to you he said it's a catholic thing I said, I don't really know. We'll ask Tim, the lifeguard. So I called Tim, the lifeguard, over. I said, Tim, do you grow up Catholic? He said, yeah, kind of. I said, what's this all about? He said, well, this, this, this. It didn't really mean that much. And this triggered this massive conversation. And I say massive. It was a big conversation in a very short period of time. And the person, Steve, said, every time I've asked questions, it's already always caused offense. I was always told not to ask questions, but just to believe. And whenever I've spoken to pastors or ministers in any other church, they've always got annoyed at my questions. I said, no, no, no. Jesus loves questions. The mystery is laid before us. In fact, Jesus is found asking more questions and receiving more questions than he is telling people necessarily that you must do this and then this and then this. So tell me your questions. And he said, it's the timing issues that don't add up. He was very particular. I got the feeling that this had been something that he had been struggling with before. He said, the timing doesn't add up. If Jesus was born then, then this happened then, and this happened then, this happened then. And I said, that's true. If you want to look at everything and try and pin everything down, sometimes we can't answer all of these questions. I said, but what we can ask is, what is God doing in the moment? What is Jesus doing in the moment? And what does that tell you about God? He said, I've never seen it like that. I said, because Jesus was doing this and revealing himself as this. And Jesus wasn't trying to make a religion. Jesus was bringing a new way of seeing things. And that was leading to hope. 
Jesus talked about this as a different way of seeing the world. My churchy word would have been kingdom announcement, but I wasn't going to go there in the hot tub of the wine. And we had this quick but detailed conversation, and he said, Adam, I don't know, here we are, just Wednesday afternoon, sat in the hot tub talking, I don't know about these things. I said, but maybe God's in it, because even your timing's wrong, because it's not Wednesday, it's Tuesday. And maybe the comment that I said, what is God doing in this moment? Maybe that's a more important question than the precision of being able to nail down every single date and detail. What's God doing in this moment and how is that moving your heart? And he said, I've never seen it like that. Let's talk some more. So he's texting me questions he would ask God. This is where I'm going with this story. The mystery of Jesus continues to change lives. It hasn't lost its power. It isn't a simple pray this prayer once and you're done and eventually you'll die and go to heaven. That's not the full story. The mystery is being revealed in a way that changes moments in our church services and changes moments in our gym membership. The mystery of Jesus. And Paul wants us to know it all so that we would live it and that it would affect those around us. Where am I going? So why is this important? It's all well and good to look at these things. They all sound nice. But why is this important? Paul kind of answers this in verse 4. He said this, I tell you this so no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. This is so timeless, so unbelievably relevant for today that it's possible to believe anything and everything and there is a media outlet to align and support what you want to believe in probably. And it's cost us and it's cost the church and it's cost our witness and it's diluted the presence of the Holy Spirit because we've been deceived and we've lost the things that are important. This is the thing about being deceived. It's subtle it's not obvious. It's quite easy to avoid the obvious. So on the subject of sin, it's quite easy to say, this week I did not rob any banks. Because it's an obvious thing that you shouldn't do. But it's the subtle things that lead to deception. I've got a, I've got a prop, I've got an analogy. Where we lived in the apartment behind us was a, was a pond with lots of small fish. And I thought, being the good father that I am, that I'd buy the kids a couple of small fishing rods. I've got some bigger fishing rods, but that's a whole other conversation. And that we would go fishing, and we, we fished and caught lots of small variety of fish, a few bass and some sunfish. Uh, and I taught the girls something. And this is important from a fishing side of things, and this makes sense in the deception which is why and how we get deceived. These are some of the things I would teach the girls. You don't run to the water's edge and make a loud noise. When I go fishing, proper fishing, I'm dressed in green or camo. We're trying to blend in. You're never on the water's edge, and you're being as quiet as possible. We would hide behind the trees and, and peer gently to see if there's any fish. Sometimes we would put a small amount of bait to encourage them to feed in an area. 
And then we would come back to that area and then fish on that area. But we would always seek to be discreet, hidden around a tree. We would cast gently, not make a big splash. And consequently, you would catch, I would tell the girls, if you announce your presence, they're going to be on edge and they're less likely to feed and you won't catch. But if you can discreetly slip in unnoticed, if you can bait an area and entice them to feed, then you're going to have a much easier time. Do you see where I'm going with this? It's easy to avoid the big stuff. But deception can creep in in a subtle way. And there is good and there is evil. And evil will be most effective at stalking you like somebody might stalk a fish by being discreet and subtle and almost not there. And there may be some bait at first that's, oh, this is okay, this is not too bad, but you don't know that there's a hook in the middle somewhere. May we not be deceived from losing the promise which I've highlighted. We'll go back to the PowerPoint. May we be encouraged in heart. It's not been an easy time, but there's still plenty to give thanks for. May we be encouraged in heart. May we know the unity that Jesus yearns for, cries for, pleads the Father for in his church. It is easy to fall out with somebody and leave. It's hard to stay. And may we know the mystery. And may we hunger for the mystery. Paul talks about the full riches of knowing this Jesus. May we not be deceived that these things are not important. Or that we've done them. Or that we know it all. Aware that deception is often subtle and not obvious. May we be a church that is encouraged. That is equipped. That is one and that is on focus and on mission. That is my hope. That is my prayer. That's my request. And it's wonderful to be working this out together.